I'm Josephine and I'd like to welcome you to the Icky podcast on multilingualism. It's very good to have you here. I'm looking forward to our conversation today. I'm looking forward to hearing the different things you have to, to bring, the different perspectives and experiences. We'll begin first by just introducing. So, Wikanda Timonen, welcome. You work as a heritage language teacher, I understand, teaching Thai at Pauli Matka School in Huvinka. And um, you also have a 12-year-old who studies numerous languages and uses different languages, I understand. It's good to have you here with us today. And then we also have Leila Kanda, a senior lecturer of English in the Department of Language and Communication Studies at the University of Uvascular. And your research for a, a good number of years now has focused on bilingualism or bilingual education, especially in content-based language teaching up at elementary and secondary school. Yeah, as I said, I'm Josephine, also a senior lecturer, but in the Department of Teacher Education. And I coordinate a programme there that's responsible for preparing class teachers to teach English and to teach through English. And I also have the privilege of leading the ICI project, which is now coming to the end of its third year, but it has been a very interesting experience to be able to work with so many people interested in language education, the use of language in education. And one of the main things in ICI has to be has to bring people together from different perspectives, different stakeholders, teachers, teacher educators, student teachers, um, researchers, to share ideas, to talk about interesting things together. And that's hopefully what we have today. So um, I would like to, to ask Wikanda and, and Leila whether multilingualism has it always been part of your life or is it something that you've had to or wanted to pursue? Wikanda, would, would you like to, to comment? Actually, uh, I'm from Thailand and, and in Thailand, we have uh, English uh, as our foreign language. They are mandatory. So all my life, I've been using uh, my own language, my mother tongue, Thai and then um, English, of course. But then later on, because I, I start the family, I have a Finnish husband. So my Finnish, uh, Finnish is the second uh, uh, foreign language for me. And then plus then the problem is that uh, my husband, he's Finnish, but then he lived, uh, he lived at the time in France. So I have to learn French and finish the same time. Wow. So it's, it's quite uh, it's quite interesting situation because I, I, we, we live in Finland at that time, so I have to learn French through Finnish. So, <laughs> so and then later on, we, uh, we moved back to Finland. So when my, my daughter started to learn uh, German in her fourth grade, then I start also to learn German, but just only on the side, like more like hobby. Thank you. So it's, it's partly through life, it's partly through desire and wanting to then explore different languages, have different languages. Leila, what about your story in multilingualism? Um, actually, from very early childhood. Uh, I don't know if you follow the Eurovision Song Contest. 
But when I was a child, I used to watch it every year. And what I also did was that I sang, tried to sing, together with the performers on stage. And if you remember at that time, some <coughs> 40 odd years ago, <laughs> they were still singing in their own languages. Mm. Mm. So it was an English dominant contest. It was French, Italian, Spanish and so forth. So when I was trying to sing along, I was trying to mimic different languages. And I, and I at that point already knew that I want to become a polyglot. Mm. Is that the word? Polyglot? Yeah, yeah. yeah. To speak multiple languages, yeah. Yes. And so what I've done is, is I've studied quite many languages over the years. I was, um, I, I realised I was going to ask you this question, so I had the advantage of thinking a little bit beforehand, what was I going to say? And um, when I grew up in, in central England, there was not a lot of other languages around. Um, there was one French-English family in our town. And I remember thinking it would be really cool to be bilingual. But my own experience of learning German and French in school quickly like killed that dream that I would ever master another language. Um, and then I did my, my bachelor's in North Wales. And it was wonderful to have Welsh actually spoken all around on a very regular basis. But to my shame, it, it didn't become part of, of me at all. I, And now after living many years in Finland, I can finally say that I think that Finnish belongs to my language repertoire, even if I don't have grammatically correct Finnish in some variation. Yeah, but that's the point. It doesn't matter as long as you can speak. Yeah, yeah, that, to be able to communicate and to connect with others. Just before the, the uh, recording began, Rikanda and I were just reflecting on what is multilingualism, who could we call multilingual? And I was just sharing a story from when I was a young teenager. I used to ride a pony of a, a family on the top of the hill. So I lived in a valley. About a mile up the hill was this pony. And the, the old men that owned the pony, um, I couldn't understand a word they said. I mean, we lived very close to each other. I'd always lived in that town or village and I still couldn't understand what they said they would ask me questions and I would say yes trying to be polite and if they look shocked I would say oh no no <laughs> but I, I think it's really interesting to reflect on like the variety like within a single language as well the multiplicity in addition to then all this variety of languages and how they change over time thank you for for sharing your Your thoughts, it takes us nicely towards um, our first question that we have been reflecting on a little bit more about, reflecting on more in anticipation of this podcast. And the question is, how is multilingualism part of school daycare or, or your own work? Yeah, actually, uh, in Huvinga, uh, where we live, there are quite variety of languages. For example, like we have the the daycares in English daycare and Swedish daycare. And and also like uh, even Hubika is quite a small city, uh, but we have uh, Gone, the company, the, the big company in Finland. So, so we have more foreigners here. So if, if 
usually we we think of uh, foreigners are more in in Helsinki or Vanta or Espo uh, mostly but but then in Helsinki also we have we have quite many foreigners so so uh, maybe English is used quite common here also in Helsinki and then we have we have Swedish so then we have also uh, many uh, foreigners who come from different uh, different countries and different cultural background that they may speak their own language. Plus then I can add more that uh, in Hubinga we also have this uh, English program in one school. The, the students uh, in this program uh, study uh, all the subjects except social study in English. This is from grade one to six. So this is this is quite uh, interesting because in the small town that we have uh, uh, international companies, and then we we have English program at school at the the municipal municipality school. Leila, how how about you? How do you see multilingualism part of school and working life? Well, at work, it's mainly English and, and Finnish nowadays, uh, especially now uh, at this time with the pandemic. Um, usually, if we were at the department, it would be more multilingual, since there would be French and German speakers who would converse amongst themselves, perhaps, or with us, uh, others as well. So I think it's more narrowed at the moment. But of course, when I... Uh, step outside from our home. Uh, the neighborhood where we live is multilingual. So when going into the store, you can see, uh, well, see, but also hear, and mainly hear perhaps, uh, different languages uh, from East Asia to to any anything um, from um, Japan or or Korea or something like that. So it's very diverse neighborhood. Yeah, it's interesting because at the university where we are, I mean, English is regularly part of our sort of working culture. Finnish is is the main language of communication. Swedish, we don't have very, we have pockets of Swedish, I think, in Yvaskula. Um, and one of the things I've enjoyed in the, the Icky project is that we've been able to sort of co- um, collaborate more with the Swedish-speaking university in Orbo but also to have Swedish as part of our communications in the project, in Uvascular even. I was going to comment actually on the Juliet programme. That was established in 1995, and the idea behind it was to support class teachers to teach English, um, which now in 2020 has become an official part, really, of many uh, class teachers' workload. But... um, in the meantime, I hope, I think the Juliet programme has tried to open up a little bit more and to recognise and encourage the, the future class teachers to see that the pedagogy for the teaching of English is actually also very relevant to the teaching of other languages as well. So teaching of Swedish or French or German, that the, and we've been trying to encourage the, the Juliet students to study other languages as well and to sort of build bridges between languages, not to try to just keep hold of one. Um, and hopefully that will also support with the Swedish now in the sixth grade and then the multilingualism in classrooms that teachers would have the courage to think. 
think a little bit more about what languages are present and how they can be used. And uh, that takes us really to our next question about how can educational professionals really support or increase multilingualism when working with children? I think the, the, the most important part of uh, uh, promote the multilingualism is that the when we see when we see the language as as the tool for the for the student, especially I, I'm talking about the mother tongue, mother tongue of the lang uh the, the the children. That's that's the the key that we have to somehow like like all the educators may may have the class that have the children are from different uh, like diverse families and and they may not have Finnish as like their first language or something. So so this is this is the part of the children when they when they develop and learning and, and being with their own mother tongue. If they they um have strong mother tongue, they can learn better and they can develop better and they uh, kind of develop their identity also at the same time. I'm not so sure if we are like talking about multilingualism only uh, because the society right now is just so diverse. I mean, like we have many um, foreigners in, in Finnish society. So this is, this is one thing that, that uh, if the children who have different mother tongue than Finnish or Swedish, the educator should uh, think of this as like if recognizing their their mother tongue is the way of follow our uh, curriculum. That part of this in is the inclusion. Inclusion mean like include the the student into the the class or the society. Yeah, I I agree completely. The, the first thing that is important for teachers uh, is to acknowledge the multilingualism of all children, be they Finnish or be they uh, Chinese or, or Thai or whatever. Because when we acknowledge that the children in our classrooms speak different languages, we can make use of that knowledge in teaching so for instance perhaps the children can help each other uh, to understand the topic that has been talked about in Finnish maybe they can share their ideas in their own language and then help in that way and all in all I would say that being too strict with like Finnish only or English only policies, language policies in the classroom, it can have negative effects on, on children's motivation to learn the subject and, and, and cause all kinds of difficulties in, in being able to follow and make progress in the subject and so forth. So yes, having that awareness and awareness of how beneficial it is to have multilingual children in the classroom and what we can make use of it and how we can make use of it is, is crucial. 
it's been something we've been trying to specifically develop in the, the Department of Teacher Education, this language aware pathway to to help the student teachers recognise and other educators really recognise that these languages come with the children and that they are part of the resources they have for making sense of the world as individuals, but it also adds a richness to our entire community and that if we can create a space for this, then it um, really is to the benefit of all. It isn't something that is somehow extra or on top of what we do anyway, but it should just be part of who and how we are when working together. And um, in, as part of the piloting and developing this pathway in, in the field practice, student teachers had to develop one lesson that explicitly drew on more languages. Um, and it was really they came up with wonderfully creative ideas, sometimes combining geography and languages, exploring maps together, what languages are spoken in different places, where have they been, examples of the language. Um, they also had multilingual uh, messages hidden around the school and the children had to find them and then decode them and explore. And it, it was really interesting to hear the feedback from some of the children. They, they were asking the student teachers, but really, can we use our own language? And it was such a surprise to them. And some of the teachers hadn't actually realised that they have multilingual children in their class. Because, of course, if they manage all right with Finnish, then it's maybe not asked or it's, it's sort of assumed that Finnish is the language. Of course, Finnish or then Swedish in a Swedish-speaking school are the official languages and of course it's important that the children learn Finnish but it's, a, it's this plus mentality in addition to and it's in, a, in addition to the whole community. Yeah this is a very good example of what what uh, uh, you just say about uh, to make this multilingualism uh, visible to all children to, to, to make them realize that uh, uh, different languages are all around us. And then um, I think also that uh, one small thing that we could add into this is that I believe that if we adults or educators can show that we uh, are able to speak more than one language, it, the best is like if you can, if you can show that you 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 know more than two then then it will be some kind of like positive uh thinking to the children already that this is common this is this is very common that that most people have at least english and then maybe have more for example like french or german or swedish actually in finland it's more like three because it's swedish english and then finnish then if you have uh french or german or, or very, very cool language that is far away, like Chinese or, or Korean, like that would be even very interesting. Like, like one of my teachers, uh, she's my history teacher. She is Finnish, but she knows Japanese. That's very cool. <laughs> it's, it's amazing how multilingual fin the Finnish population is. I mean, that it's, it's somehow just part of how Finland works, but not so often mentioned that, of course, multilingual. I think if you asked many Finns and you said, are you multilingual? They would say, no, no, I, 
oh, okay, yes, I couldn't speak to you in English. Well, yes, I could manage in Swedish. Well, actually, yes, I learned German at school as well. Or some, there are many, many. Yeah, and I think that's our default thinking, that even though we have learned and we are able to speak and communicate little, we don't think of it as being that much. We are modest, and we might not then think that it's actually being multilingual already. That that knowing a language, uh, knowing how to speak it, doesn't mean that you have to know the whole language. It it's not about that. It's about the uh, linguistic resources that you have. The the very small things, even in in Swedish, for instance, or in German, or in Spanish, in addition to what you know about Finnish and English. So it it it's not the whole language that we need to be able mm. to speak mm. in order to be multilingual. If we think of it that way, then also that we speak in dialects plays into the fact that we are multilingual. So there's also already variety in that. Yeah, it's, it's very interesting that it's not like it is not sort of easily said that Yeah, of course, it's good that you just have something or that you can even make out what those signposts are because you've learned a different language that somehow just a little way way in is is very positive. One of my um, favourite moments when giving an introductory lecture on language awareness to the first year student teachers, um, I ask how many people speak two languages and like we have hands up and then how many people speak three and the hands actually stay up and then well okay well how many of you speak four and there's there's never that there's only I mean the most monolingual person in the room is probably me who stood there giving the lecture and uh, and then I share about um from Cummins's work and also Wolfert comments on this about the the benefits to thinking that multilingualism brings these benefits that problem solving or creative thinking and sort of this innovation that's supported through. And I say to the students, do you realize what you have by being multilingual? You have more resource. You've got the linguistic resources and for thinking. And then the most tragic point that this holds true for children in school, as long as their teachers believe it, that if the teachers don't believe it, then the children are not able to benefit from the linguistic resources. It doesn't support their thinking development. So how very important that teachers would recognise, that we would recognise multilingualism as as a resource and benefit in many ways. Wiganda, you also, or in your work as a, a heritage language teacher, I mean, by you have then children with different stories, different languages, different experiences as part of your class. What have you noticed about their attitudes to language or their their um, desire to sort of engage with language? I think it uh, depends on the children, depends on individual children, if they are, uh, they are like, for example, uh, in, in my class, like, like the Thai class that I'm teaching, we 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 can say that we have two groups of children. Uh, that the Finnish, I'm I'm sorry, the the the, the Thai language level 
can be quite different. So one group is the children who are from Thailand when they are quite big already. These are not finished born. So they, they, they came to Finland when they are uh, maybe depends on the age also, but then they, they, they have stronger tie. But then, then in, in, in the, the other group is that the one that coming from the uh, two culture family, which is Finnish and, and Thai. So this group is, can be like Finnish born or, or maybe born somewhere else, but, but stay with the, the family. So, so the, the language uh, of these two groups are quite different. But, but on the other hand, like they, they seem to be able to develop their own language quite well. Like, like I mean, not language, but languages like the uh, Finnish and, and Thai. Plus then they have to, of course, learn foreign language at school, which is mostly can be uh, English or, or, or French, depends on the school. This is the, the, the Thai language teaching is not mandatory. So they have quite good attitude toward learning Thai anyway. So, so they come because they want to learn, not because they were forced to come. So, so this is quite, quite uh, like if to answer your question that uh, they have the attitude toward uh, the learning Thai language is quite good already. And then of course for, for students, it's, it's hard to, to recognize if how, how they, they think of the multilingualism or, or that they know many languages, but, but somehow um, uh, because for many Thai family, we are very close to, to Thailand. We very co close to our uh, relatives in Thailand. So, so this is the, the benefit. And also plus then when they, when they go on holiday in Thailand, they can use the language. They can be able to, to enjoy being there because they know Thai. So this is the, the part that I, I, would, I would think that they, they have quite, quite good attitude toward the learning Thai. And then, then they, they probably don't realize that they know, for example, now we can count that they know at least three languages. Thai, Finnish, and, and English, for example. Yeah, thank you. I think it's so interesting how it's somehow that an interest in language breeds an interest in languages that somehow it gets wider and wider and when children see the, the benefit of it. I mean, of course, to different degrees. If I think about my family, then um, the kids are born to an English-speaking home primarily, but then through daycare and um, they went through primary school in Finnish and then the desire to learn another language. So my daughter started to learn sweet, yeah, Spanish in fourth grade, Swedish in sixth grade. And then since then, she's been learning French and Japanese then in the evening school. And it's somehow incredible. I just stand in amazement that these people can be able and willing to pursue different languages. I can't say that my son has been quite so polyglot as my daughter. He's a little bit more um, careful in where he invests his time. but um, one other thought that came to mind was how reading in one language actually helped with reading in another language. So I didn't teach my kids to t read in English. They learned first to read in Finnish 
And I also didn't tell my kids that reading in English is quite difficult, which is actually a starting point for many children learning to read in English, that it, there's somehow this idea it's very difficult. OK, half of the letters, you can say them as they're written. The other half, they don't work quite that way. So ka'ata, you get cat. Te you don't get the. But because they had the confidence to, to read in Finnish, it very easily went over to reading then in English as well. It doesn't happen for everybody that way. But I think that this sort of being able to move, use different skills across languages, different strategies across languages. I don't think everything's generic, but I think that there's some value in, in this. Um, Layla, if I ask you, um, in the use of CLIL, so teaching through, learning through often English in Finnish classrooms, um, it's quite well established. Would I be right in thinking that it was perhaps more monolingual in its emphasis in the past, that it was sort of English directed, but now there's an opening to the presence of using Finnish and English in clear lessons? Or is there a possibility to open that up further to, to a greater sort of multilingual form of CLIL? Well, I've understood that it's been when when a CLIL program or course uh, is established that um, there is an agreement or somehow, um, I don't know, imposition. Can you say that? That you use the language in which the CLIL program is meant to be conducted in. So... If it's English, then it's English only policy, and if it's German, it's German only policy. But of course, it depends on the level of learners. How how well can they manage with the target language? Uh, but I would say that with English, it's been quite heavily English only policies. But even in those cases, students do trans um, trans language code switch to Finnish. For instance, when doing uh, group work. So it's their default language to go to when they do group work, for instance, or chat among themselves about matters not related to the lesson and the subject. So it's it's not that it is only all in English, even though teachers would like to have it. On the other hand, the English-only policy, it's good because you're meaning you're meant to learn the language and you're meant to learn it through using it in a purposeful way to learn a subject like history or math or chemistry and so forth. But again, in order for the learners to feel motivated and to be able to make progress, allowing them to use Finnish or Swedish uh, would make sense because then they would get these experiences of having learned. And using two or or more languages would support the learning more. Because, of course, when we are thinking of um, different subjects and, and formal education overall, the, the way we teach subjects, the language is academic. So it's not about the everyday use of language necessarily, but formal ways of using language, academic ways of using language. How do you explain things in, in physics when there's lots of abstract concepts and terminology or in math 
or in, in biology? How do you write a description of what happens to the environment? Uh, so it's a specific way of using language. And if you do it only in English, and if the learners don't know that academic English language usage side, then it's really hard. So what we need is the, the support of other languages as well. Also the everyday vocabulary. And then explicitly have also the academic language using. So I think it's, it's multi-layered in that sense. And Wikanda, if I can turn to you at this moment, because I know that your daughter learns several languages. Yes. So, um, and she's also in an English-speaking class. Yes. So I was wondering what your perspective is on this as a parent, also as somebody interested in multilingualism. Uh, in in Huvinga, uh, this English program that we have in Huvinga is a little bit uh, uh, maybe different from from uh, from the Q program in the sense that that uh, it's from first grade to sixth grade, and then what they learned. Uh, in other subjects, except except social study, so all of them are in in English. But then in they learn also Finnish, and then they learn Finnish. The number of hours to learn Finnish is higher than uh, English hours. So per week they I don't remember exactly, but maybe they learn four hours of Finnish and then three hours of English, for example. So. Uh, I, I think the reason is because we have only in the beginning uh, in Huvinga we have only from grade one to grade six English program. So they have to prepare the children to go to the normal Finnish school. That's why they have to have Finnish also. So they can continue with the normal Finnish school. Uh, but, but on the other hand, for parents, I think it's a good idea, especially for me, because I, I still believe that Finnish is harder than than English. So, so if the the, the children can learn, uh, Finnish, and English, and then 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 it's it's kind of like somehow complement each other. Plus, then then uh, in my daughter class, it's, it was the first class who can choose. Um, the foreign language, uh, and they can have enough students to uh, set up the the German group, like because in 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 Huvinga, uh, in the English program, the first foreign language is English, but then the second foreign language can be German or German or nothing. So so if there's enough student to choose the German, they can set up the class then then they can start the, the German. But but on the other hand, in my opinion, like in, in Hovingar, the uh I, I don't know in other uh, city or municipalities, um the the teaching of the the foreign language in the school, how other uh, cities I don't know, but in Hovingar I think there are quite varieties of uh, learning uh, foreign languages. For example, uh, at least what we uh, what they are in the, at the school are uh, like uh, German, French, 
and English, of course, and then then also Russian, Russian, and then Swedish. This is the A1 and A2. If we, if we, I don't know if you understand A1, A2, but but it's the first foreign language and the second foreign language in in the the first two to sixth grade. So and then of course they they start they will start Swedish in the sixth grade. When you were speaking there about the the choice of language the children have, it reminded me of a very interesting project in Tampere of introducing more languages in the first grade to the children. Actually, I think it was inspired from in part from Uvascular, where there was also a move to introduce different languages to children in daycare or preschool years. And in uh, Tampere, I think I'm right in saying that the children had, say, six weeks with English, six weeks with Swedish, six, six weeks with German, six weeks with Italian, Chinese, and was it French as well? There was a fantastic number of languages that the children uh, would have for a number of weeks. And apparently that very nicely raised the number of, of children that were choosing languages other than English as the first foreign language in school. I mean, I think it's fair to say that English will become part of the language learning pathway at some point in Finland. It, it, it's very much part of society and around, but it doesn't have to be the first foreign language. And it's really, I think, positive to hear where those other options are also taken up. I could understand somebody asking whether the children, do they get confused by having so many languages in these examples? But at least I haven't heard that the children complain of being confused. And of course, when you introduce one language to the children, you're probably going to do very simple things like hello and goodbye and my name is and colours and animals. And you do that with one language. And then the next language comes again and you have the same kind of pattern. Again, you have hello, my name is and these are colours and th these are animals. And, and so there is continuity in sort of the environment, you know what's happening and the kind of activities, but the language changes. So the children, children can still navigate what's happening. I think in, in childhood bilingualism research, it's been uh, shown that children are quite capable of early on differentiating the languages that they are learning, mainly in bilingual families because perhaps they use the different languages with uh, different people for different purposes, but that they still recognize that, that okay, this is Finnish, this is English, or that this is Thai and this is this is Finnish. So they are capable of doing that. I I like to add this because uh, it's it's very uh, for me it's very important uh, about one one adult speak one language to the children. And and uh, the the student can learn or or can be able to learn better with this method than than uh, that for example like if a uh, Thai mother like me speak Finnish to my child that will cause problem and this uh, somehow I I feel like this is my my mission. <laughs> To emphasize this, to push this forward, uh, that that um, anyone should speak their own native language to their child, and plus, then we we should not uh, mix the language. 
when we speak to the children so that that they will not get confused and i i think starting from the early childhood already that that the children can manage more than one language but then there should not be any confusion about this that uh, uh parents speak english and finnish mixed in one sentence and then uh, mother who language is not finnish speak finnish to their children because it's not her strong language and then that could destroy their finnish learning as well and that could cause the linguistic problem or, or, or uh, something else later uh, hopefully on that one that um about destroying the children's finish i think there are enough people in the environment to to make up for the lacks of the mother's finish so i don't think that that's a worry but i agree i think it's very important that as a parent you can use a language that conveys you to your children because of course that's what you're you're sharing and through that they then learn the language and have a language to share with you as well so yeah i i and there's very sad stories i think when there is like a gap in generations that a language hasn't been passed on i think that's sometimes because we we have this well we have had the idea that there is a limit to how much language can be learnt. But I think that for young children, there is great potential and capacity um, to manage extremely well. Yeah. When they are given the, the chance, they they will learn and they will manage. And I think that's also the case with multilingual children. In, in daycares, when they have another language added as well, I don't think we need to worry that these already multilingual children that are learning Finnish as a second language are now going to be even more confused with the introduction of a new language. I think that it actually plays to their strengths, that they're used to working with a new language. As part of the ICI project, there was um, there have been observations in different schools, and one nice observation from a multilingual school was um, children having language mascots. And I think that um, it's quite common for children to be able to have a little reading buddy, so a soft toy that they can practice reading to. And this can also then be an opportunity for the children to use a different language with this toy as well. And I thought this is an, a nice way of legitimising the presence of different languages in one classroom, that we don't all have to understand the language for it to be allowed, and that there are places and ways of then integrating the presence. Um, which kind of leads us forward into what kind of uh, tips or, or sort of thoughts you would like to, to share to encourage educators to, to regard multilingualism as a positive feature of classroom communities and of communities in general. Well, I was thinking since we've been talking about early childhood and childhood children, um, uh, one of the things that I think uh, we should start slowly perhaps changing is the attitude towards multilingualism, like we've been talking, that um, knowing and being able to speak small snippets of language is already good and that it gives motivation and encouragement to children to learn more to know more about the world. And so what I realized that I've been doing from the very 
first moment with our 11-month-old is that when we've been looking at picture books of animals uh, and we've been making the noises that animals make, and at some point I realized that when my spouse reads those picture books with the, the child, with baby, he does it all in Finnish. So there's how how, nuff nuff or rah rah. But when I do it, it's actually partially in English. So there's woof woof, oink oink. So even small differences like these onomatopoeic sounds that are partially culture related, language related, already raise awareness in children. So that's one thing that small snippets of, of, of other languages to your daily thing, uh, doings with the children, adding them is, is meaningful. Then in terms of education, I would still underline that being able to language or trans language in the classroom, uh, no matter what the official language of the la- uh, class is, whether it's it's clear program or immersion or just plain Finnish, um, then or plain Finnish Finnish, uh, it's it's important to be able to give the children a chance to use their language and to learn through their language. Yeah, I I totally agree that the value of snippets and also the opportunity for children to use different language repertoires to support their learning. I think one sort of concern I have in my in the back of my mind is that somehow when we start to open up for other languages, we we stop. How would I say this? We somehow say, okay, that's your language, and Finnish is our language. So now you can do it in your your language. And I'm just thinking then, of course, it's it's great if when multilingual children can use both their heritage language and Finnish and whatever language repertoires. But how awesome it would also be for Finnish-speaking children to use other languages as well to sort of think and play, that it's not somehow multilingualism for those that have multilingualism because of their life story somehow, but that multilingualism would be something that we all in different ways work with, benefit from. Yeah, exactly. Wikanda, what what thoughts would you like to share? I I agree <laughs> with you, <laughs> with both of you that uh, from the small unit of the society, like family, we have to uh, somehow kind of give the children the opportunity to experience different culture, different language and and have the good attitude of having uh, multilingualism in, in our society. And then for, for educators, I think educator can be a good uh, role model uh, about re- linguistic model for the children that, that we have to, uh, to emphasize that what benefit of being multi, uh, multilingual speakers or, or uh, the benefit of learning many languages. 
because at the end, uh, the what I have learned or study all my life, at the end, the the language is is the most important in my working life. So so so, and also the the language is like like the tool for you to learn other uh, knowledges. So if you have the chance to to know more languages, you you learn more. And for <laughs> for the policymaker or for whoever make decision, I think it's a good uh, it's a good idea for municipality to have a variety of languages in 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 the school system in the municipality. Thank you for your reflections. I was. I was just going to share um, a comment from a, another heritage language teacher. So when, when we asked, when the message went round, would a heritage language teacher be willing? Several people actually responded to say that they would. I think that this topic is something that resonates, is close to their heart, maybe. Um, and um, one heritage teacher of Chinese, gee, she said that um, for her multilingualism is a key to a multicultural society. Once you realise how diverse our world is, you will be more humble and non-self-centred and uh, furthermore holistic thinking will bring us a sustainable future. And so I think that that connects with quite a lot of what we've been speaking about, that it is something for individuals, it's an individual richness, but it's also something that is valued in the wider community. It's a resource for us all. We don't need to be multilingual in the same way. But um, and teachers don't need to know all of the languages that their children speak. I mean, of course, it would be impossible, but they can model valuing other languages. They can model valuing multilingualism and creating spaces. But thank you. It's been very pleasurable to talk with you and good to have your, your different insights and comments. Yes. Thank you. Thank you, too.